0: Welcome to Witchful Thinking, a podcast all about being a witchy woman in the modern world we live in. Each week, you can listen to these two witches banter about witchcraft, spell work, current events, intuitive wellness, spirituality, astrology, tarot, and much more. Our goal here on Witchful Thinking is to create content that informs and centers our listeners and helps them look at the world around them in a much more meaningful, magical way. Thanks so much for tuning in, and be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram for daily updates.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Witchful Thinking podcast. Thank you for joining us on our very special 100th episode. And for this episode, Brooke and I have a really exciting guest and we've been super excited for this episode um, ever since we booked it with our guest, and that is Shaylee. She is the co owner of Topaz Tico. Um, so, really quickly, we'll let you introduce yourself um, and then we'll get into just a few exciting things that we wanted to talk about, one especially, and then we'll jump into the episode.
2: Hey everyone, I'm Shaylee. Um, I have been practicing witchcraft since about last October and that's when I got into the Witchful Thinking podcast and I became obsessed with it and pretty much went through every single episode up until this point. Um, I am a huge fan of tarot. I love tarot. I have three cats. I've been married for about 10 years and I live in Tennessee. It's my wild place. I love it with all my heart. Also, I love tea.
0: Yes, she loves tea and she sent us some teas. And if you are listening on a previous episode, um, we actually had Topaz Tea sponsor us before, which was so sweet. And you guys are adorable and sent us the cutest little tea bags. They were The packaging was precious. You were um, our first sponsor like ever. Yeah. Wait, no, second, second. Who was it? That? Oh, that's, that's right. Because right, that it was, it was Alex's the candle,
1: candle, candle
2: coat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The second
1: sponsor we ever had. Second
0: sponsor, still, still in the top five lists. Cause I think that's like, what? It's two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, really quickly just tell, tell everybody about your brand a little bit and how you came to found this company, the small business. We always love hearing, um, an entrepreneur
1: story. I'm obsessed with entrepreneurial. I'm Ent- uh, okay. I, I, can anybody else actually say that word? No, entrepreneur- never.
2: <laughs> <level>. <laughs> I say like um, self run or like small business or
1: the word. I don't just, do that word. It can't come out of my mouth. Um, but I think they're so interesting um, as an entrepreneur myself. And uh, essentially just realizing like how little I knew about anything business related. I love hearing other people's stories, like, especially people who are kind of in our age demographic, like mid-20s to mid-30s, and it being a women-owned business, I just think that's so cool. Um, So yeah, give us a little bit of a lowdown.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to read a blurb really quick. It's going to be obvious that I'm reading, and then I'll just uh, kind of freestyle it. So Topaz Tico specializes in providing high-quality teas that spark beloved memories and elevate everyday moments. Their blends include Oolong Goddess, Hypatia's Nectar, Beauty and Balance, and Restorative Remedy. With the goal of being a welcoming space for anyone new to tea to find their first brew, as well as to offer helpful information on getting started, they offer a selection specifically recommended for beginners and an FAQ page to answer basic questions about how to drink tea. They also sell unique vintage teaware and other tea accessories. Take the opportunity to get 10% off your first, first order using Witchful10 at TopazTeaCo.com. And that's T-O-P-A-Z-T-E-A-C-O.com. Um, and I just realized I said they instead of we, but whatever. Um, yes, yeah, so <laughs> so Allison is my best friend. Um, we've known each other for just over five years now. And we decided we wanted to start a tea business together because we... So I was diagnosed with ADHD last year, and she's very good at getting hyperfixated on things as well. We hyperfixated on the idea of making custom blends. Um, we actually didn't drink tea for very long before we had this idea because we both grew up in a religion where it was super strict and we weren't allowed to drink tea or coffee. So it was very new to us when we both left that religion to get into tea and we fell in love with it. And um, for that reason, we actually wanted to provide an experience that's good for beginners because we know what that's like, and so we don't we don't want it to be like overwhelming, and we also don't want to try and be like a high, um, like a high end, like super fancy. You know, like there are amazing tea companies out there, and I respect every single one of them. And they have way better products than we do. Ours are very specifically geared toward new people and people who just want something simple. So that is something that we've become very, very passionate about. We just jumped all in and started investing and bought ingredients. And Allison actually came up with most of the blends. She is the wizard behind the blends. And uh, I do all the marketing. Um, I do like the photography and the reels. and. All that kind of stuff the website um so lately we haven't been able to focus on it as much but it's still there and uh it's our baby like it's it's seriously just our passion we love doing it together and so far everyone who has purchased from us who we've heard back from has said that they love it too um, in fact we got some orders from the last time we sponsored And I will shout out to Ariel because she has posted like four times on her social media about Topaz and every single time my heart just melts because she ordered through Witchful Thinking and that just means the world to both of us. So um, yeah, and I'm going to say, Allison, if you're listening, I know you would be basically saying the same things. And I talked to her recently and uh, she's just super thrilled that I get to talk about it and she really appreciates you both having a sponsor you. And she was more than happy to send you that package. So thank you. That is
1: so sweet. I also love that your, your business is with your best friend, because that's like what Brooke and I do with this. (laughs) And yeah, it is like our little, you know, it's like our little platonic love baby together.
2: Mm (laughs) 100%.
0: But yeah, as we always say, if you have a small business and you want to reach out to us, we love working with small business owners and we highly, highly suggest supporting your local small businesses as much as you possibly can. Thank you for coming to my tea talk.
1: <laughs> this is what happens when a copywriter is on the show. <laughs>
2: I love it. He's what cool
1: puns out of her ass. Like it's nobody's business.
2: <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I, I get it. My husband is huge on puns and they have repped up on me over the years. So I forced them quite, quite often.
1: That's great. I, get the I actually, eye roll. um, working, it, getting to work around journalists has been very interesting because they're like, they're almost, I mean, they're like you Brooke, they're writers but then they like speak out, you know, they're talking about their stories with each other out loud and they're Mm -hmm. always trying to come up with like good titles. And uh, today there was a title, they were trying to come up with a pun about a cat, a new cat cafe that just opened in Denver. And it's, it's actually a really cool story. I'm not going to spend time uh, on that, even though I could. But um, this person like, uh, you know, was like fostering cats during the pandemic and loved it so much that she opened up her own cat cafe and they were looking for like a punny headline. And so we're all in there like bouncing cat puns off the wall, trying to find a good headline for this story. Uh, and I'm like, this is, this is how Brooks' brain works. Like they're speaking <laughs> here. I get to hear how they come up with things. I'm like, this is what's happening inside her head.
2: Perfectly caffeinated. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. I could tell your brain was like working, waiting to say that.
0: <laughs> First, like, really? where's my bonus? I'm like, give me, run me, run me my check.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm in good company right now. Uh, when Allison yeah. and I are coming up with names for teas, we, we, We try not to be punny, but I mean, like, you got to be, you got to be creative. And there there are some times where we're, we come up with stuff and we definitely don't publish it, but like, just good ideas. We, we have fun. And, um, I come up with ideas for random stuff all the time. I used to blog and I would come up with names for blogs constantly. And it's fun. Just, just coming up with those names for, for things, for pets, for people, you know, whatever.
1: I used to want to be in high school. I wanted to figure out how I could get the job of being able to like name paint colors or crayons or
2: oh, I was like, yeah. this
1: for a living. I want to do that.
0: <laughs> do you remember when we worked at Cracker Barrel and the, there were those woodwick candles and I was obsessed with the, the light pink one and yeah. it was like, I only had one of them because they were so freaking expensive and cracker rail didn't give us any type of free and discount, but it was smelled so good. And I remember we used to smell the candles and be like, what do you have to do to become a candle namer? Like what yeah. one ha- what, who's, what door do I need to put my foot in so that I can get this job? Yeah. Just be able Seriously. to. Seriously. Yeah. And I, I I remember, I feel like it was like, it was called like Caribbean sunset or something, but I was like, that's the stupidest name for this candle. Like this candle's fruity. It's got some melony scent in it. Like,
1: well, uh, I feel like we manifested that because now like all, I mean, all three of us are like in marketing and advertising and content creation and social media and all, I mean, hell I can make my own. Box of crayons if I wanted to. Anybody can make a box of crayons. Doesn't have to be. Oh great. yeah, or candles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You can make your own kit. Can- That's how you do the shit. You make your own shit.
2: Go yeah. talk to with love. It's with love, right? With love Candle Co. Yeah, go talk to them. Give them some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love their stuff, by the way. I haven't purchased a candle yet, but I need to. I I keep forgetting about it every time You're I right. have money. <laughs> You're but, like right. I love their their lines
0: you'll have to look and see. I know that Alex has taken like definitely taken time away from the business. I don't, I actually don't know if they're like still continuing to like make candles or not. They might still have like a ton left. of like, oh, Okay. Stock, but, um, I mean, I'll text her right now and ask, uh, but yeah, she just recently got a new job and moved and her life. is like super busy, but oh my God, I miss first cup.
2: Oh, that's Alex. That's all coming together now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I know who you're talking about.
0: Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. Um, uh, I miss first cup so much and I actually, I forgot to post this. I, I meant to post this recently on online somewhere, but Alex, I think did like one last open market or something. And someone came up and recognized her logo from our podcast. And they were like, you and Brooke are best <gasps> friends. I want to try first cup because Brooke talks about it on the podcast. And I burst into Oh tears. my God. I'm so happy. I was like from miles away. I haven't seen Alex in like seven years almost. And like, just from miles
1: away, like we're just that's- so connected. It made that me that amazing. amazing. Insane moment. Isn't the it?
2: Synchronicity. Yes. yes
1: oh
0: god it made me it just made me so happy just like what are the chances you know and then I'm like but like the chances are the chances are big because we are I mean it, Kentucky's not it's not like t- Kentucky's huge Kentucky's
1: not like a whole country away you know <laughs> it's only a couple yeah, yeah. away from us yeah but, oh um I was about to say like speaking of but it doesn't really pertain that much to what you were just saying what <laughs> our now annou- so not only this is a podcast run girl what are you trying to say <laughs> people I will get there we hit 90,000 subscribers today yes. Yay, snaps and claps but if we yes. all do it at the same time it might just cut us all out so <laughs> they probably, probably just cut everything we just said out but <laughs> Um, so I think it's really cool that we're recording our 100th episode and we hit 90k thousand followers today and we get to record with one of our OG followers and friend now. So I think this is like a really cool full circle moment.
2: Yes. All those milestones. Congratulations, you too. It's been so much fun watching your just the whole process. And I've only been following since October. I mean, it hasn't even been that long. It feels like, but that's crazy. There's been so much growth. A lot has happened since October.
0: I know.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Nuts. That's
0: nuts. So okay, okay. now
1: that I've like, like taken us down four different directions, um, we're ringing it back in, (laughs) and. Um, so we have, we have a couple of questions that we want to ask Shaylee and, um, I'm sure that our conversation will spark a lot of really interesting topics because even just by the blurb that you sent us Shaylee, um, (laughs) I was like, okay, okay. This is, this is the kind of person that we definitely we definitely need to have on the podcast. Um, I think that your story is very relatable to other listeners too.
0: Yeah, cause I, like I, so for anyone who hasn't listened to either our mothering series or listened to the episode where Liz goes on like her religious rant about, it's literally called like grinding. I think it's called grinding for Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) I think so too. I love that one. Um, but, uh, Liz, Liz grew up extremely religious and it was only like right before she, she and I met that she had kind of like left the church and was like questioning everything she knew about religion and spirituality. And so, A lot of people really enjoyed that episode and like that episode is still one of our most popular. So that was the reason that I was like, oh, okay. Like I remember on the live event too, Shaylee, you had also mentioned that you had grown up similar to Liz and like experienced the same type of weird, like dysphoria from leaving the church and trying to figure out who you were. So that's kind of like what direction I, we can start going in. All three of us little ADHDers are probably going to have trouble, but it's, fine um
2: it's yeah <laughs> it really is it's fun
0: yeah so um I will just like the tiniest backstory for listeners I'm not gonna like read Shaley's entire like thing she sent us but Shaley is an ex-Christian same as Liz um unlike Liz though she has 10 siblings and Woo!
1: Yeah. <laughs> so wait. Are you one of ten or are you one of eleven? I'm one of eleven, and I'm the oldest. Holy shit!
0: Yeah. So um, I want to.
1: Yeah. How, how old is your youngest sibling? Or, well, how many years? What is the? You don't have to say your age, but what is the years? What is the difference between you and your youngest sibling?
2: Um, I think it's twenty three. Um, I don't mind saying my age. She, she just turned six. Um. Yeah. So, wow.
1: Right. I can't even, I mean, that's so it's practically Brooke, like being our age, like 26, 27, and your parents having an, that, that is like mind boggling to me
2: because it is, but. I grew up in a community where birth control really wasn't a thing. It was very much frowned upon because you were playing God. So my parents had two kids after I got married and it was very much a case of not using birth control because, um, as I've been told, they, they wanted as many kids as God would let them have. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, (laughs) I have a lot of feelings, um, mostly like I, I love my siblings and I'm really glad that they're here. It's just really foreign and, uh, challenging. And I don't know if my parents were equipped to have as many kids as they did, especially the younger ones. Um, yeah. Is anyone equipped to... You know, um, my husband's family. He he uh, comes from a large family, and his parents were a lot more equipped. Um, I mean, there there's still drama and trauma and that kind of thing. Like any family's gonna have that, but um, as far as like their care growing up, um, they were much more equipped. Hmm. But it's it's rare in the cases that I've seen. The community that I grew up in, it was it was definitely not a thing. They were not equipped. I know a lot of people from different families who were like, yeah, that wasn't great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I only have one sibling, uh, a younger brother and I, did you say, or sorry, have you not said yet? Were you raised, uh, Mormon or was it Catholic? Mormon. Mormon. Yep. Um, and so I wasn't raised Mormon. It was like, fundamental evangelicalism, but a lot of the people I went to school with were like one of 10 or one of eight. Um, and I mean, most of the people I was around had many, many other siblings. So I was almost, because I was put in a religious school, I felt like, oh my God, I only have one sibling. Everybody else here has like six Mm -hmm. plus. Like I was the oddball for having one sibling.
2: It's
0: crazy. It's a lot. My great grandma had, um, 14 kids and they, I mean, they definitely did not like believe in birth control or anything like that. They weren't Mormon, but I guess, I don't know, back in her day, it just like, it was was, what it was, what it was. And if you had the money to have it, like have another child, like go for it. But I, my grandma the one who like raised me was the oldest daughter out of 14 kids and um she definitely has told me many stories about like growing up and feeling like there was not enough love and attention to go around and when i hear that somebody has like that many siblings i'm like oh my god like did you you know do you notice like in your adult life cuz i mean i'm just i guess i'm just projecting like or i'm just like guessing Do you notice, like, in your adult life, like, there are things that, like, there are habits or behaviors that you have that you think could, like, possibly stem from growing up in a household where there were 10 other mouths to feed, not including your parents, and, like, somebody always needed something, and not only that, but, I mean, you're the oldest, so, like, in part, I'm sure you had to, like, help raise all these, like, tiny little children until you, like, left.
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, literally everything you just said, um, the feeling of there not being enough love to go around um, all the mouths to feed. Um, and I love how you said not even counting your, your mom and dad, because in my family, again, not going to get too much into it, but um, my mom came from a very traumatic background. And so as she was having children, she was also needing to be parented herself. And I personally feel like, and she would probably disagree, um, but I I feel like I had to parent her from a very young age. And on top of that, I was also helping to raise my siblings. And I will never forget, there were women in my neighborhood who would see me baby wearing. I mean, I would have a baby in like a wrap as like a 16, 17 year old. And they would joke oh, they don't even know who their mommy is. And, you know, it's cute, right? But like, it's actually really sad because that time, especially, I was their mom because my mother had health issues. She had a lot of stuff going on and she was having the next baby. So it was definitely, I mean, like, I don't regret the way that I was brought up. I have learned a lot and it's really taught me to be compassionate and empathetic toward other people but I also recognize that it wasn't healthy. And um, part of my blurb, which I'm not afraid to to talk about is I'm currently estranged from my parents. And a lot of that is because of what we just mentioned. It's, there wasn't enough care and attention. And I mean, I know, I know plenty of other people have it worse. Like I'm not even going to be like, it was just so awful. It was, it was, it was the worst thing ever, but it was, traumatic for a child. And I've had to reparent myself. And that's actually why I love the two episodes that you mentioned the mothering wounds. And, um, is it mothering motherhood Wounds, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, um, the grinding for Jesus, because those two were so applicable to me and they were the ones where I was emotional listening to them and I felt so seen and heard. And I had never even at that point, I, I don't think I'd even talk to you two yet. And, I just, I felt so seen and held, just like you two understood. And we don't even have the same stories. I mean, our stories are completely different, but you get it. And because of that, I want to be there for other people. And it really has taught me the empathy instead of judgment. I mean, my mom needed parents and her parents weren't there. I needed parents and they weren't there when I needed them. And I have been married for almost 10 years. And there's a reason I don't have a kid yet because I haven't been ready to parent myself. I have needed to get through my own things so that I can be ready to be a mom. Um, So I've at least recognized, like, I want to stop that cycle because it's been going on for ages on both sides of my family, but my mom's in particular. So um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know, overcoming generational trauma and like having to be the cog in the machine Um is a very exhausting place to be in. And I feel like a lot of, not, not always millennials, but I feel like a lot of people our age feel like we are the cogs in the machine, um, who, I not that we're the first generation to be self-aware and empathetic um, and critical thinkers by any means, but it seems like our generation I mean, what millennials are like, all you guys talk about is therapy. Well, yeah, because look how we grew up, look how we grew up. And we're hoping, um, if, if you do want to bring children into the world, or if you want to adopt children that, that our, our generation can raise them differently. And it takes one generation to be the cog, right. And, to make things better and to just turn things totally around and it feels like that's us a lot of the times um which is like great like somebody has to do it but it's exhausting <laughs> it's very tiring and it is with, with all the shit that has happened in the world that we've had to deal with with the economy we were given um that's that's like that's no like little thing to to do um like to have to be estranged from your family, um, the sacrifices and the boundaries that you've had to put up to, if you want to have, if you do want to bring children into this world to literally give them a 180 life of what you had is um, like hard as shit. And I feel like if there's anything we've learned over the past what year two is that we can do hard things. Um, still
2: exhausting. It is
1: do hard things.
2: We can do hard things. (laughs) you know, I was taught that growing up, like I read books that it was like this Christian group of brothers or something like we can do hard things. And that has changed for me over the years. Like what the hard things are. I didn't even realize like The things that I thought were hard, I was putting on myself or they were being put on me for like the stupidest reasons, like things that like don't even exist. And I'm like, this is like the real shit. Like when you talk about millennials and like people our age in general being the ones to be the cog in the machine, I actually saw a former Mormon post about... um, how we were taught like in the Mormon church and I'm sure other churches do this too. But with my personal experience as Mormons, we were taught you're the chosen generation. And like every generation has been taught that, but my generation was the chosen generation. I had that hammered into me and they were like, yeah, we were the chosen generation to overcome religious and family trauma and to break these cycles so that our kids wouldn't have to go through it. And I've had to realize not only that, like I have healing to do, But that as much as I do want to give my kid that 180 experience, I also will have things that come up when I least expect it. I will be triggered and I will have to address that. The difference between me and previous generations will be I will take the time to address it instead of letting my kid take it, pushing it onto them, taking it out on them. I will have a therapist. I will have people who I have in my circle who I can trust to take my kid or to be there for me so that I'm not alone and they are not having to take that on. That's the difference. We're all going through hard stuff. We just know we have the tools to actually handle it and to make sure it's not passed on at least as much as possible.
1: You know, you said that growing up, the church told you you are the chosen generation, but what it actually was is we, you feel like, you know, we were chosen to break terrible cycles. And I was told a similar thing growing up in the church, but this was told, this was said to me, spoken to me, told to me, whatever it's grammar, um, that I would be breaking generational, um, curses and that the curse on my family was divorce because everyone in my family has been married a handful of times divorced. Some of them just married once. Some of them married twice. Some of them married three times. And it just ap- appeared from what I told this person about my family. So first of all, I, I trusted this person with very like, um, what is it? Words.
2: Personal. Uh, private, yes. Yeah. yeah very,
1: very personal information because I felt comfortable telling this person and this person had a high place in the church, um, only for that person to come back and use it against me. And I was probably only even like 15 or 16 at the time. And I'm being told your family has a curse and it's divorce. So your job, you are going to break the cycle. You are not going to get divorced. Um and no I, pressure. No pressure. I already broke that. So <laughs> But oh so when I obviously, I know that's all bullshit and that was just f- literally fear mongered into me to settle down with someone from the church and then stay with them. And no
2: matter what,
1: no matter what, even if
2: they were abusive, even if you didn't, you you weren't compatible. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: No matter what. And then you are to have babies and you are to raise them that way as well. So they wanted me to break the curse and essentially raise generations that would be brainwashed. Um, And divorce is, and so that what I was reminded of that conversation when I got divorced about how that was said to me. And I was like, well, here I am part of the curse (laughs) and um, just like jokingly, not, not right.
2: To, but but it's, still, uh, it's fucked
1: up. You should have never had that on you. I should have never had that on me, but I thought it was funny because I think that by getting divorced, that I did quote unquote break the family curse. Yes. Like, I yes. the one of the most valuable lessons I have ever learned in my entire life. I was very, very young when I learned it. So I it didn't happen when I was 60 and have three kids. In a house, and you know, have an established life that would be very difficult to change so drastically. But that divorce is what, like, really led me to figure out my identity because I didn't have one when I left religion, and I left religion and immediately got married, um, and, and then I was married, um, so like. I had hobbies and things that I liked, but I didn't really know who I was. Uh, and that divorce to me was that that was me breaking the the family curse because um I learned that I had a bad picker and I needed to work on that. So, <laughs> so that's
2: powerful, Liz. Liz.
1: I just wanted to throw that in there. I think it's funny that your church told you something about breaking the cycle and you like did the opposite and that's what saved you. And same shit happened to me. I was told break the curse and I had the curse or whatever. And it did the exact opposite for me. Um, and I, I think that's, I mean, funny in the way of like, trauma, humor, you know, it's like Brooke and I, Brooke and I <laughs> like disregarding
2: them. everything we've been through. But I mean, it's like, we're throwing it back in their faces. Like they, yeah. they tried to indoctrinate us. They tried to groom us into what they wanted us to be just basically brainless women having babies and not thinking. And, uh, here we are, we're having a podcast, three incredibly strong women, just killing it while we face our trauma and I wanted to mention earlier when you were talking about like this is this is like what the millennial um generation and and even like gen z like they're going through this the 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 kicker is yeah we need to face our traumas but we also need to make sure we're keeping a job and we're paying our bills and we're being decent human beings. And we're like, we're aware of all the good causes around us. And, and we're out like standing up for what's right. Like no pressure. I mean, like <laughs> seriously,
1: no pressure, just do the work of five generations in your one lifetime. It's fine.
2: <laughs> get, get your therapy session in, you know, in, in between work, you know, yeah. you because they're, they're not available in the evening half the time, because everyone has a life. Like, yeah. And Do you all started. with between like nine and five,
1: you still have to exercise and you have to eat. Oh,
2: and- don't even get started.
1: <laughs> <laughs> eating is the yep. hardest thing for me. Um, yep, same, which, because I mean, we, we all know it, like our brains don't tell our bodies you're hungry usually until you're like starving and your body's like, yo, you're going to die if you don't consume something. So you need to eat. And if you don't, you're just gonna pass out right now.
2: (laughs) So, like times, like literally,
1: just eating can be so difficult. And I feel like those are the things that sometimes like older generations pick on us about. They're like, you can't even remember to feed yourself. How can you expect to get a house in? Remember? Um, why don't we talk about why it's hard for me to feed myself? Why don't we talk about that? It's not the avocados preventing me from buying a house. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> screwed up avocado toast. Yeah, <laughs> up a sc- Wow, I said some weird words just now. Screwed up economy that they handed us. Yep. Um, uh Too
2: yeah. much Starbucks. Right, right. Too many frappuccinos.
1: Can't do it. Um. So, okay, you you grew up and all of your. So you were like probably moved out of the house when I mean when you still had siblings being born. Um, Yep.
2: Two siblings since then.
1: Wow. And was, was your household, was it super strict? Um, I mean, it it sounds, it it sounds strict, but I, I wanted to clarify or ask you because like, It sounds like I grew up in a very, very strict household, but I really like my household wasn't strict. It was the church and the school I went to, which is where I spent almost all of my time. Um, So I wanted to see, like, was it the same level of strictness that you experienced at home as in school and in church?
2: Okay. So remember how you weren't allowed to read Harry Potter? I like died when I heard you talking about that, like how it's like witchcraft and all that. I wasn't allowed to watch Disney movies. And the the funny thing to me, well, I mean, it's, again, like trauma, humor. Um, the funny thing for me is that my church that I grew up in is inherently less strict than the family I grew up in. So it wasn't necessarily a church thing, but yeah. it was because of the principles that I was being taught from the church. And that, I mean, not even just like current day stuff, but like went back generations, like really early doctrine. Um, and my, my family wanted to be like stalwart saints is, I mean, it's the, it's the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So they call themselves saints. So we wanted to be stalwart saints. So we had these, um, we had a children's proclamation that we recited every day to remind us who we were and what we would never do, which spoiler, Wait, do you I, still,
1: you still remember it.
2: Oh my God. Okay. I, so it, I, but... I actually, you know, I, you know, I'd be happy to say it. Um, I doubt any of my family will ever hear this anyway. And this is part of my history. So if anyone has an issue, then, um, that's not, that's not my problem. Um, Yeah. Let me pull this up. If I can, I will just take one second to see if I can find it. And if I can't, then I won't.
1: I had, I had to say a pledge. I had to say three pledges every morning. I did stand up and on the left-hand side of the classroom was the American flag. And on the right side of the classroom was the Christian flag. And in the center of the room was a Bible, like on a stool. And I had to pledge allegiance to all three of those things every morning before class. Um, I don't remember the pledge to the Christian flag, but I do remember a lot of the word, a lot of the, the Bible pledge. Um, but how, like, I can't even imagine walking in on a classroom of five-year-olds like robots just being brainwashed and like saying three pledges every morning. Like what the hell? That's
2: insane. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't even mention this. Um, I was homeschooled. So I was homeschooled and I was Mormon. So I was like extra, extra like fundamental. I mean, I I grew up in a very fundy community, Um, but it wasn't necessarily because of the Mormon church. The way that it was when I was growing up. So Yeah, I I had the, uh, we called the children's proclamation. We had the pledge of allegiance. It just, it's so sad to think about you as a little kid in that classroom with all those others, like mindlessly repeating that, like, how is that not child abuse? Honestly, like I could not imagine making a kid repeat the same thing every single day, unless it was a mantra to help them remember who they are as like individuals, not as part of like a group, an organization.
1: Right. Or, I mean, the only thing my mom made me recite every single day before I went to school when I was a child was her phone number. She's like, what's my phone number? Mm-hmm. And I would recite it to her every day before I left for school. Uh, She's like, cool. Bye. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, something that's important, but yeah. Uh, brainw- pledges are so weird to me. Like now just looking in retrospect and, but I think, I feel like, Brooke, growing up in a public school, did you grow up
2: saying the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag? Yeah. Do they do that anymore? Do they, do they still do that? Yeah. I think in some schools, not necessarily across the whole country, but yeah, I, I, I think that's a thing still. Interesting. But so I if- was taught that I wouldn't Say the Pledge of Allegiance. If I went to school, so that's why I was homeschooled. Just one of the many reasons. But like I was taught, oh yeah, public schools don't let you say the pledge. They don't let prayer. They don't. know. yeah. Um, pretty sure the pledge is still said. Interesting. Okay, so
1: that answered another one of our questions because we wanted to know if you went to a private. Uh, that I just can. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Public. So you were homeschooled. Did you go to like homeschool? conferences or I don't know I just I feel like I've heard of homeschool kids like getting together and doing homeschool events yeah
2: yeah um so (laughs) I did these things called constitutional conventions where we would get together as groups of homeschoolers and we would create a whole new constitution with this scenario of like it's the apocalypse or like we have to come up with a new government because they've gone off and like seceded or like we're Texas or like all these different things. And we would come up with a whole new constitution. It was always based off of the U S constitution. And it was like a way to teach us patriotism. It was a way to teach us like nationalism. And I look back and I'm just like, I could have spent my time and money on so many other things, but instead I was sent and I chose, I mean, I'm not even going to say my parents pushed me. I wanted to be with my friends. It was very much like a, an attractive, like we're going to get a hangout. We do fun events in the evening after we have the constitutional convention, like shift throughout the day. Like we're researching and doing all that. And we would vote, we would use like Robert's rules of orders. And we would be like, I propose, you know, all that different stuff. And, uh, would write a constitution and I was one of the ones who would like actually write it up like I was like the secretary and I would type it up on a computer and like I would check the grammar because I was homeschooled and I I wasn't educated the way that I think I should have been there are a lot of gaps in my education and not just because of ADHD like I suck at math but there are so many things I was never taught science I like know nothing nothing
1: nothing I was taught creation. Oh yeah. I was was the same. I taught myself evolution my senior Mm -hmm. year of high school. I taught it to myself because I went to public school and obviously those kids had learned about evolution in the fourth grade or something. And so they weren't teaching evolution anymore uh, in the science classes that I was taking.
2: So I had to teach myself um, as like a 17 year old. And do you apply that every single day of your life now, Liz? Do yes, I want that so applicable? Oh. Do, you, do you apply that every single day? Every single day. <laughs> like your brain doesn't need that shit. Like you should make room for other stuff. Yeah. By the way, Brooke, I feel bad because it's just the two of us talking right now. If you have any comments at all, just chime in.
0: I mean, I didn't grow up Christian, so I don't.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to exclude you on this. I, I feel bad. Broken. Um, I mean, it, the, the
1: reason why she doesn't have much to add to this portion of the conversation is a good thing for her <laughs> because it means, yeah, you know. that's
2: true. That's true. Like kudos. Yeah. You don't have that little bit of trauma, just, you know, everything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had a lot of gaps in my education, but I taught myself, um, like English, grammar, like I would read books. My dad is very into writing and using words and um very, very intelligent. And I picked up on that. And I I hated doing like oral exams, like where I would go up and I would have to like speak about something, but I could write pretty well. And I mean I gave talks in my church all the time. So I was I was pretty good at that kind of thing. Um, so we did, yeah, we had, we called them Kong Kong. Um, constitutional conventions we had other events Um, we had there was this one when i was uh in my late teens it was called an etiquette simulation and we got to learn how to be kings and queens of zion it was so toxic so sexist um the guys asked the girls out to the dance and the girls were not allowed to say no um if you were not wearing a modest dress then they provided a modest dress for you And it was just very archaic gender roles. I mean, that's what I grew up in. I was also married at 19 and went straight into that. Like I wanted to have kids and and be a homemaker. I didn't work for months. Like I've basically done that 180 that we were talking about earlier. I'm not the same person that I was 10 years ago, but
1: yeah, yeah. you You were explicitly told that you could not say no.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, that was very prevalent Um, with, with um, my homeschool community, which they were mostly Mormon. And then, I mean, it was the etiquette simulation itself was based off of Mormon teachings. I mean, there were like talks from Mormon leaders that they would use. And it was, it was supposed to be Christian. So like all faiths were invited, but it was very heavily Mormon. Um, And then even um, we would go to like dances within my congregation. And they would encourage you to never turn a boy down. And the boys always had to be the ones to ask. The girls don't do the asking. They stay on the side and then the guys come and ask and you don't turn them down because they had the courage to ask you. And I'll just say, by the time I was 18, I had three stalkers that I didn't know what to do with. And I was really bothered by them, but like I didn't want to say no when they asked me out on a date. And honestly, I am shocked to this day that I didn't end up in a very bad situation because of that, because I was never taught. I was taught guard your virtue, so like, don't have sex. and if you have sex, then that's like the sin next to murder. But there was no like, um, it's not your fault if he sexually harasses you. And like it, it, it was oh, all if anything, blamed on
1: it me. It's your fault. If anything, it is your fault uh like that that's what the church would say is if yep, you exactly that is that is your fault you dressed a certain way you asked for it somehow um
2: oh yeah um in fact i'm not even afraid to say this because i'm i'm actually quite livid today um the mormon church is currently being blasted in the news uh ap news specifically because they covered up cases of child abuse in arizona and that's not even it. That's like two cases out of thousands and thousands. Um, and they had the audacity to come out with a statement yesterday, um, which is actually the second one in this whole situation where they're like, oh, we definitely didn't do anything wrong. And here are quotes that we have said in our conferences about how we feel about abuse. And it's, it's never acceptable. And it's never your fault. Well, there was a talk given in 1992 by one of their apostles who essentially said, at times the victim may recognize a degree of responsibility when it comes to abuse. So yeah, that's what I was taught. I was taught that even if it wasn't my fault, that if I was sexually abused, I must have done something. And I'll tell you that fucked me up personally because I was abused by my grandparents and I didn't feel like I could tell anyone. And then I blocked it for years. And when it finally came out, I felt responsible. Yeah. So anyone out there who can relate, like my heart goes out to you and fuck whoever or whatever told you that, like straight up, I have no compassion for anyone who, or any organization. I have compassion for people who tout that. Cause I used to do that myself. And I know other people who are in they have good hearts. They have good intentions. Any organization that does that, fuck them. I have no tolerance. Yeah. So
1: are you, you're considered an apostate? Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, so I have actually used that like in, in the community that I grew up in, they didn't use the term apostate and it, it's not to the level of severity like it's not like they wouldn't speak to me or look at me or help me or whatever um if you were to leave the faith but I have used that before when like someone is trying to preach to me in the street or something you know or I'm at the grocery store and someone's approaching me trying to you know tell me about the faith or whatever the fuck and All you have to do is just look at them and say, I am happily apostated from the church. See. And they won't they won't talk to you ever again.
2: (laughs) No, they won't. They they don't try and fellowship people who have left willingly. Um in the Mormon church, from what I have seen, and I mean this is probably similar across other evangelical churches. Um other christian churches they they will try and fellowship people who were excommunicated for small things like child abuse you know sexual predators they can come back to the fold i personally have family members who were reinstated after being excommunicated from the mormon church despite being child molesters by the way we're going to need a trigger warning on this podcast i'd uh didn't occur to me until we started talking. I was like, well, okay, hopefully like yeah. this, is, this isn't gonna be for everyone. Hopefully uh, people <laughs> we'll, are uh, cautious when they yeah. listen to
1: this. We'll put it in the description. That's definitely happened to us a couple yeah. of yeah, future book. We-, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so we started an um, episode and started talking and we're like, shit, we needed a <laughs> we needed a warning. Yeah. A- on
2: yeah. Warning, warning. Only listen to this if you're in a good space. Um Yeah. So as an apostate, um, I personally resigned. I removed my name from their records, which a lot of people don't bother to do, um, which I mean, for their personal reasons, no judgment there. For me, I could not have anything to do with them. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. I don't care what anyone else thinks. My parents, my friends, my family, anyone, I cannot have my name associated with them. And I'm glad. Because I could not live with myself if I was if I knew I was still on their record, which I mean, I don't know if they scrub their records, but like my name must have an X next to it or something. Yeah. It, it has there's a mark on my record. So I am proudly an apostate. I proudly, um, I mean, I I won't say I'm antagonistic towards Mormons themselves because I definitely understand what it's like to be in that situation where you are indoctrinated, you have no idea what's going on. or, for some people, it is a place where they find happiness and peace, like genuinely. And I will not disrespect that. For the organization, like I said earlier, no respect, no tolerance for anything. I mean, they've been lying and hiding their shit for, for 100 plus years. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I won't have any patience for that. Yeah, rightfully so. So
1: I've heard, I can't remember... I can't remember where I heard this but I feel like I remember hearing that to mormons like being they do not want it to be called latter day saints. But I think you said in the beginning your family did want to be
2: <laughs> latter day saints. Oh man, this is one of those things that doesn't make sense. Um just like the tea and coffee thing. Uh so mormon was it was a nickname earlier on when it was first founded um because of the book of mormon which is like their main scripture so people anti-mormons would call them mormon and um that was a slight you know they considered it a slur which that's up for debate personally but um then as the years went on they embraced it it was something they were proud of like I'm a Mormon. I live it. I love it. Like it was this huge thing they had. an I am a Mormon campaign, mormon.org. I mean, I had a profile as a 20, 21 year old on mormon.org where I was like, I am a Mormon and I am a blogger and a wife and blah, blah, blah. Mormon lives matter. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Well, so in 2018, which was shortly before I ended up resigning, Um, they came out in their conference and they said, we're not saying Mormon because it's a victory for Satan. So it's actually this huge joke among ex-Mormon communities because we are ex-Mormons. We grew up Mormon. They paid millions, if not billions for the, I am a Mormon campaign and meet the Mormons. I mean, there's so many different things, but the the statement that I mentioned earlier that they came out with um, to respond to the AP article about the abuse in Arizona. At the bottom of that statement, they have like a style guide that says something like, when reporting, use the name the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They don't like you to say Mormon. And I think just looking at the history, I think a reason for that is because um, they're wanting to get away from a lot of the media and the um the, the the preconceptions about what mormons are because they're also the flds the fundamentalist latter day saints and um
1: they don't want to be people confused who believe
2: with yeah. those <laughs> no which i mean those people came from the original mormon church so like they're completely connected like i literally have ancestors who practice the same thing that the FLDS church does now. And I knew people growing up who were not officially FLDS, but who still believe the same thing. Like there, there's no difference. They're the Wait, same so
0: these are the people that are in Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey that we were watching the other yeah. week with like the many wives. Oh my God, Liz got me into that show. It
1: was okay. horrifying. Totally. Like it is that documentary is insane but if you're interested in like religious studies cult studies that's a really interesting documentary um and that was I already knew I already knew a little bit about the FLDS um which is why I ended up watching the documentary but what I didn't know the I would say like the biggest thing I learned from that documentary was how the the prophet um it was warren jeffs had convinced everybody so they believed they were the chosen people of course but that the only way you were going to survive the end of times was if you were on this part of the earth that would be lifted off of the ground and you wouldn't burn with the rest of the sinners on earth Mm -hmm. And he convinced all of them to move to this one little small town in Utah because he said, this is the plot of land that's going to be lifted off the earth when the earth catches on fire and the end of times is here or whatever. And they all did it. They all moved. And it was, I mean, obviously this was a way for him to just get his group of people all in one place so he could control them better and and more easily. But I mean, wasn't it like, wasn't it something crazy? Like, I don't know if it was like 50,000 people. It was a crazy number of people that they sold everything that they had. They moved down to this place. And then like the whole time, these people are just sitting there waiting. For the end of the world. For the end of the world on a daily basis. And then after a while you know time goes by and they're like yo the end of times hasn't happened and this dude has to come up with a reason why and he's like that means we're in good standings it's not happening yet like the like the lord still loves us or whatever the fuck um
2: actually so i i could be wrong on this and i don't want to like correct you um But i remember i i've listened to podcasts (laughs) and i've like I watched the series as well. Like I, I've been obsessed with this too, because it's so close to what I grew up with. He told them they weren't righteous enough. That was why. So they had to work to be more righteous, but okay. the whole like, oh yeah, we're good. Like, I mean, that's another cult tactic either way. Like he could pull that in any situation. It could either be, oh yeah, you were righteous. So we did this happened or this didn't happen or you weren't righteous enough. So God can't come. Right.
1: Nuts! It,
2: it's all just garbage
1: yeah yeah that's a really good uh it, I mean it's not like a fun lighthearted documentary by any means but it's very, no it's
2: it's tragic it's yeah. very
1: interesting if you if you're if you have like uh, if you just like kind of like to learn about those things um so what what did you grow up learning the end of times would be
2: Oh, um, the Constitution would hang by a thread, and then the Mormons would save everyone, and (laughs) all the wicked would be burned, and there would be a huge earthquake across the whole world, and... Oh man, I'm I'm starting to lose my touch. I used to be obsessed. I used to have nightmares. I used to have anxiety over the second coming of Jesus. I mean, like it was a whole thing. I remember being like seven years old and reading their like, um, children's magazine and obsessing over the second coming. It was, it was, there were songs. I mean, so much stuff. And now I'm like, damn, I, it, I'd hate to be burned being that I'm one of the wicked now. Like it'd be the worst thing ever. If I was removed from this earth while all the other people have to deal with the shit, like, I, the last thing I want now is to live forever. God. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like, uh, you have to be sealed in a Mormon temple, uh, husband and wife, not wife, wife, not husband, husband, of course, like it's, it's only heterosexual marriages. Um, and you have to be righteous. You have to pay your tithing, make sure you pay your tithing. Cause if you don't pay the church, then you can't see God. Um, and after you die, in the Mormon church, um, men can actually have more than one wife, and they are going to, and those wives are gonna have a bunch of children. So basically, once Jesus comes, if you live on earth, you are going to just make babies. And if you die, because you know you're one of the righteous and he wanted to spare you, I guess, even though the wicked burn to like, don't ask me the logic behind that. If you die, then you're lucky because you get to go up to heaven and you get to be an eternal baby maker. That's what I was taught. An eternal baby maker. Oh yes. That
1: That is, uh, say no more. I choose hell. Yeah.
2: Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Actually I was talking to a couple people just the other day and we were like, um, yeah, with the things that we were taught, like, how did we never question until like just now, like, We're women, like women in the Mormon church and like a lot of Christian, very evangelical fundamentalist churches are taught, like you literally are good for one thing. And that's pushing babies out of your vagina. Like that's it. And that's what I wanted. Like I craved that. I was obsessed. I was so obsessed. I made myself think I was pregnant early on. Like I went through so much because of that. And I'm not the only one. And now I'm just like, oh my God, like I could not even imagine constantly having babies and having that be, like, my entire personality forever. Like, yeah. what? Like, how? I would rather go to hell. I, Satan's plan sounds pretty great right now. Not, yeah, not, gonna lie. not that I believe in God or <laughs> Satan anymore. But, yeah.
1: Well, I would uh, rather go with him. I also had the same fears. Like, I, I mean, I was told the second coming is it will happen any day. And so I – but what we – so we didn't believe anybody was going to burn yet at first. So the first step would be that all of the Christians would just poop, disappear. They would just disappear and go to heaven. <laughs> the rapture. The rapture. So the only uh-huh. people left on earth would be sinners. And then there would be seven years of plagues and disasters. And, and then the last, the last one was like fire and burning, um, mm-hmm. whatever was left. So I used to fear that, um, like, the rapture would come. And I wasn't, what if I wasn't a good enough Christian? And like, what if my, I was like, what if I'm in a car and someone's driving and that person is a good Christian. And so they poof disappear because the rapture happens and I'm in the car and we crash. Like I, so I used to have fears while being in a car that the person who was driving would just disappear. And then I was also fearful that, the rapture would happen when I was young, before I had had the chance to have babies and that I would not get to fulfill my purpose on earth, even though I was going to heaven. You know, this is what I thought that if I, if I went with everybody in the rapture, then like I would be in heaven, but no, I was like, but oh my God, I wouldn't have been able to fulfill my one purpose. And so I used to be literally afraid that I would have not had babies before the end of the world. That's what I was fearing.
2: I just want to give young Liz a hug so bad right now because I relate in so many ways, not the exact same fears, but that anxiety. Like I was taught that one of the signs of the second coming was a blood moon. And whenever there was like a lunar eclipse, I would, I would like freak I was drawing pictures of the second coming with blood dripping from the moon and like Jesus bringing all the kids to him, like so disturbing. And I remember once a year there's a blood moon. I know, right? (laughs) I wasn't taught that. I was not taught that that's a normal occurrence. No, no, it was like every time the moon went red, I thought that was a second coming. And I remember crying to my parents being like, is this the second coming? I'm not ready. Like, I I can't do this. I'm scared. And they'd be like, oh, no, this isn't the second coming. And like, I don't know if they even understood why I was so afraid, but I was terrified. I would have nightmares. I mean, I still remember the nightmares that I had as a kid, just staying up all night because I didn't want to go to sleep because I didn't want to dream about it. Uh, there were so many times where I would lay in bed and just think, what if I don't wake up? Like, will I be saved or have I been a bad girl? Like I yeah. lied to my parents or I didn't eat my dinner or whatever. Like I would be so scared yeah. and I was going to say something else and I just spaced it. Um, yeah, just that anxiety. It, it's not, it's not healthy. It's, it's not something that should be on little kids. Um, just really fucked up i mean it was very much a control tactic where yeah. they make you be as good as you can be and kids should not ever have to worry about that yeah do you ever
1: wonder if i i feel you know as our um, um sorry if my phone just went off on my laptop i need to put it on do not disturb <laughs> <laughs> um so I just, I wonder if over time we are going to, I mean, I know that the population of churches everywhere are declining. And I think that's because of a rise in knowledge, critical thinking, um, and- The the, internet. The internet, people getting the mental health services that they need, talking to therapists, Mm -hmm. things like that. So I wonder if over time- not that Christianity will go away. And this would literally take thousands of years if the human race is still around by then. Um, but, or if it weren't to disappear, if it were to look very, very different, um, and that that's kind of what I think would more or less be the case is, I feel like, I mean, it's, I think it's going to go one of two ways. Like it's either going to go nuts in the wrong direction or as time goes on it will change to become less i don't know I, I just think that a lot of us are very aware and there are people there are people who listen to this podcast who are christians and i know we've mentioned this before um uh, especially when we're talking about religion like in this episode in particular shaley and i are just talking about our experiences it is nothing to do, it you know, nothing to bash anybody uh, who has a religion or who is a Christian. I firmly believe you can be a Christian and a witch, you can be whatever you want to be and a witch. Oh, yeah. Um, the, at least what I grew up learning was Christian witchcraft 100%. But uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: totally um, but yeah, so. I guess I just wanted to say these are just our experiences and our opinions. There is a broad spectrum of everything. Uh, and religion is one of those things. So Christianity specifically, but religion or spirituality, it looks different for everyone. So not here to, um, bash anybody. It's just that Shaley and I had a particularly bad experience. So <laughs>
2: yeah like I said earlier I have empathy for anyone I mean in and outside of religion whatever they've been through I have empathy for them I hold space for them and it's not the people that I have an issue with I have absolutely no tolerance for defending organizations that cover up abuse child abuse I mean like that is so prevalent in so many churches like I I'm not going to be like Oh yeah. That church is so great. Even though like, if you're a part of that church, I am not saying that you're a bad person because you may not even know what's going on. And even if you do, you've probably not been taught that it's not okay. Like I understand I was in that space and I have so much respect for people who are actual Christians who act like Jesus Christ acted. I did not have that experience. The people that I was around for the most part, I mean, honestly the most Christ-like people I have known are the ones who have become in like into my circle since I left. The non Christian or non-Mormon specifically atheist people, they're the most Christ-like people. And it's kind of crazy how that happens, but there are Christ-like people within Christianity as well. I mean, Everyone has their own thing. My thing, my, my phrase in my life is seize your happiness. I want to get this tattooed on me. Um, for me, that means I can choose what's best for me because I know what's best for me. I have that ability. I have that personal intuition. And that's a reminder that everyone else, as long as they are not harming anyone, they can seize their happiness. And that does not have to look at all like what I have. And my happiness cannot harm other people either. That's it. Right. Do your own thing. Yeah. And I hope, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are listening to this and they're probably like, wow, you have a lot of feelings about your old religion. And yes, I do. I've only been out three years and Liz had a lot of feelings too. Um, just I've been out, our, long. Our I've been out for like
1: <laughs> nine, almost 10 years. And I will probably always have a lot to say about
2: it. It's, it's a part of who you are. It is, it is very much ingrained into us and it is just as valid as anyone else's experience. And anyone else's experience is just as valid as ours.
1: I agree. Wait, what was do you mind like what was your saying again? Do you mind if we sh- should use that as like the episode title?
2: Oh, oh my God, that would be amazing. Yeah. so um, I actually pulled this from an anime called Clannad. So if anyone knows that shout out to you because it's like the best anime ever. Um, It's like a slice of life, really sweet thing. And um, the mother in that anime says it to her daughter. And um, I can't remember if they were married at the time or like, I don't want to do spoilers or anything, but um, yeah, she said that to this couple, her daughter and the guy that she's, she ends up with, she just says seize your happiness. And that has been something that I've, It just stuck with me. It's such a little thing, but like especially with the way that in my life I have gone a completely different path than what I grew up in. I've been learning that like what I was taught growing up, while that may have been what my parents believed and may have been what they thought was best for me. That's not necessarily what's best for me now. That's not necessarily what fits with me now. And it's okay. I'm I'm totally fine pursuing what makes me happy as long as I'm not harming someone. Um, so that's that's like my mantra. Um, I want to get tattoos, yeah. one that says seize in on one arm and then one that says release on the other. So seizing my happiness while releasing expectations, but seizing your happiness, like that is the main thing. Like you do you. I will not judge you. If you're not harming anyone, you do you. I think the world needs more of that. I think people need to be allowed to have their silly little like beliefs or hobbies or or whatever. I mean, sorry, I'm not, I'm not trying to say beliefs are silly. I hope that came out right. Basically just like, if you want to celebrate Halloween all year long, celebrate it all year long. If you want to wear purple socks every day, mismatched socks, if you want to cut your hair and like whatever, like literally anything, as long as you're not harming someone, do it. And I applaud you. I mean, I will be the first to be like, go you like, fuck yes. Because I wasn't taught that it's okay to just do what I want as long as I'm not harming people. So I'm very much an advocate for that. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Really long. I'm really good at just talking forever. (laughs) (laughs) I try to reel um, it in. Sometimes I just don't remember. (laughs) Very
1: very on brand for us. So, (laughs) oh
2: man. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Well, I like that. Um, I think that should be the, the episode title.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I I hope it fits with everything you talked about. I feel like it's been kind of heavy, but that really is the, it's like the theme of my life now, like whatever happens, I just want to seize my happiness. And that doesn't mean I'm always happy, but it means I can always find something even in the harder times, even in the, the less positive times. And I want everyone else around me to feel comfortable seizing their happiness. And I never want anyone that I know to feel judged seizing their happiness. Agreed. I love that. What should our uh, Ostara egg be? Oh, let's let Shaylee pick it. Oh, okay. So this is probably going to sound super weird, but since the um, seize your happiness phrase comes from an anime, um, I'm going to choose the Dango emoji, which is the little green, white, and pink like dough on a stick, it's a Japanese treat, and dongo is a huge theme in Planet. So, again, anyone who knows it, like we might just be best friends now because that is seriously <laughs> the best anime ever. Um, and that's my little, that's the little symbol I use. Um, okay, I'm looking for that. First, your know, happiness. Happy, yeah, let that. me let me see. It's not. If I can just this one, is it? It is. Yep, that third. Oh. Yep, yep. You got it right there. Yep.
0: Oh, I thought that was a uh, cotton candy. I, I mean, it, was- it could
2: be, but I personally use it as Dongo because it fits with like if you if you Google Dongo, that's what it looks like. And there's like a song um, in the anime. It's the Dongo family, and it's just this cute little song about these little dough balls, and they're like a little family, and yeah. Oh my God, they're so cute. Look at these. It is that. Isn't that adorable?
1: They look like mochis on a stick.
2: Okay. I don't know what mochis are. I'm very uncultured. All I know is some anime.
1: <laughs> what? Okay. I want to know the name of that emoji. So, because so we can
0: tell it's people D- what to D-A-N-G-O is how you spell yeah, it. Yeah,
2: I think it is. Yeah. I think it's just Dongo um i'm gonna I might sit. be able to look that up d-a-n yep d-a-n-g-o oh ah, that's okay, like cool. the it's bingo up. song b-i-n-g-o d-a-n-g-o oh, yeah. okay well if you got
0: this far in the episode and you listened all the way through go comment a dongo emoji it is not cotton candy it is not emoji it is a dongo <laughs> <it>
1: <laughs> i love that shaylee that is my like i learned something new today fact so. oh
2: i'm so glad Thank yeah. you. That I, I didn't even think about picking the O-star egg. That's so fun. Anyway, you're closing out. Go ahead, Brooke. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, I forgot what I was saying. Um, I don't remember what you were saying either. Uh, okay. Well, I'll just restart. Anyways, Shaylee, thank you for coming on today. I'm sure we'll have you on again at some other point to talk about some other stuff, but I, I'm, I love learning more about you. I feel like I know that you said you've only been listening since October, but to me, it feels like much longer. And honestly, that's like what happens when you put yourself out there and you interact with podcasts that you really enjoy, like the hosts or whoever like handles Instagram takes notice. And so like you are, you are at like we, I, you are in my eyes, you've been here since the beginning. So I don't really give a shit. If you've been here <laughs> oh. since October. Um, but it's almost October. So like happy one year to you. Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: actually that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: almost been an entire year. So you've been with us an entire year. So, you know, but, um, yeah, for everybody else, um, make sure that you check out her tea company and go follow it on Instagram. The photography is beautiful. The teas are even more gorgeous. And, uh, make sure you check the description for the witchful thinking coven on Facebook, because we post all types of cool shit in there and other members of the coven post tons of cool shit in there. And Shaylee like very active in there. So if you want to go and talk to her, um, yeah, tell her what you thought. It's of the a episode. safe
2: space. I love it so much. And I yeah, I it. would love, I love making friends. So yeah. come talk to me if you feel comfortable. I wouldn't mind it at all
0: yes exactly
2: it is a private group
0: so know that your identity will be protected and you can also post anonymously if you in there if you want and uh let's see next week i'm not sure if we have anybody on next week i have to check the schedule but um we should we're on a pretty good roll with posting again so we'll be back next week <laughs> yeah okay
2: everybody say bye
0: bye,
2: bye. <laughs>